Hi everyone, and welcome to Elite Rugby SNC podcast. First off, if you haven't already, sign up and join Elite Rugby SNC today. We provide you with all your strength, conditioning, speed, and recovery needs. You can try before you buy, so try our seven-day, seven-dollar trial to get a taste of what we offer here at Elite Rugby SNC. Sign up to our newsletter and receive free bonus content each and every single week. So take your game to the next level, become a beast, and join Elite Rugby SNC today. Today I'm joined by Emily Chancellor. She plays in the Super Rugby competition for the New South Wales Waratahs and is a four-time Super Rugby champion. She also plays international rugby for the Wallaroos and plays club rugby for Sydney University. This is one of the best conversations that we've had so far on the podcast and I'm really excited to share our conversation that we had. I hope you get a lot of takeaways from it and enjoy this episode. So g'day Emily, how are you? I'm great, thanks so much for having me. That's all right. thank you for joining us on the podcast. So how's the body feeling ahead of this week's uh, big game on the weekend? Yeah, I'm feeling good. Um, we've had it's kind of an interesting two or three week lead up to this grand final with um, our prep for Queensland twice, um, playing them firstly on a Saturday and then playing with a short turnaround for the Thursday. We had a really odd week last week where I realised come game day that we hadn't really like, yes, I'd done my two lifts and I'd done my field sessions as per training, but we hadn't really got to that point of actually sweating and doing the hard work that week because we trained Monday, Wednesday, Fridays normally on field together and Monday was game review, you know, work through a few things that we needed to fix on the Monday but no like genuine conditioning block, the body's still a bit sore. And then suddenly Wednesday is captain's run because we're playing on the Thursday. So we, we had a funny week, which meant that Thursday felt like a hard, hard session. Mm. <laughs> I mean, obviously it was a semi-final. It's more than a hard session, but you, you, you've had to work really hard in the warm-up to get that second wind to be able to play, but that's all right. That's done this week. Feeling good. We've, That's good. you know, had a good, good hard hit out last night, rest day today and ready to fly to Melbourne, do a captain's run and leave everything on the park on the grand final. Yeah, it's exciting. And we wish you all the best for that, for that grand final and hopefully get the result that you want. Thank you. So going back to the early days of growing up, what sports yep. did you play and why did you end up playing rugby as your sort of main sport? Interesting. So I, growing up, didn't, like rugby wasn't an option and it wasn't, my parents said, no, you can't play rugby. Rugby's not for girls. It was none of that. I just didn't know rugby was an option. So uh, for me, I played netball. I was a pretty serious swimmer through primary school and high school. I played tennis. I did surf lifesaving. I played soccer. I played every school sport except touch footy um, because mum said, it's netball or touch. We can't have you playing two sports that are going to kill your knees. Um, and because good, I good advice up, from mum. Good advice from mum, yes. I reckon. Except I really think, you know, if I'd learned how to throw a ball backwards or played in that touch world, I might have either been, you know, a quicker developer in, in the rugby skills or, you know, seen that pathway earlier. But, you mm. know, you can't regret what, you know, you can't change. And I had no say in it at the time. So yeah. I was content to play netball. Um and I, I loved it. So 
it never really crossed my mind that I could do anything like rugby. I loved watching it. I always went to Waratahs games. My dad used to take me to Sydney Uni club games on the weekend just because I love, like, I love watching it. We're a big rugby supporting family. My brother played for school and still plays now in subbies rugby in Sydney. Um, But yeah, it wasn't even like, I didn't feel like I was missing out on anything because I didn't know that it existed. And then I got to about third year, fourth, must've been third year of uni. um, And I was on scholarship for netball at, at Sydney uni. And I got an email being like, come try rugby, the pathway road to Rio, you could go to the Olympics and win a gold medal for Australia playing sevens. And I was like, ooh, that sounds fun. Like, I'd like to, you know, like just see if I could tackle, like just actually try it. So mm. me and one of my best friends um, from netball both were like, let's do it. Let's just see if we can tackle someone. Like, let's learn how to. I never played like rough and tumble games with my brother or anything growing up. Like it was very much like I... I fell over a lot in netball, but more so because I was just physical, not because I, you know, knew how to fall over or slide tackle in soccer. Like that wasn't my jam. Um, And yeah, went and tried the, went to the try rugby days, loved it and was like, oh, I better, you know, fit this one into my schedule now. (laughs) Want to keep playing some sevens. And then, yeah, I mean, the, the, the story continues in terms of coming, moving from sevens into 15s, but I mean, it's all kind of history now. It doesn't matter. I, I started playing the game and I I love it. So mm. quickly the netball and the uh, soccer that I was playing socially, well, soccer was social, netball was serious, disappeared because the rugby became the passion um, and it still is. Mm. Did your friend follow the same trend or did she go back to playing netball? She actually moved to Canada. So oh, okay. <laughs> she did play rugby a little bit in Canada at the beginning to just meet some people because netball isn't really a thing that they do in Canada. Yeah. But she quickly moved to like mountain biking and other wild, okay. wilder activities than netball. So <laughs> Fair enough. I'm sure if she stayed in Sydney that she would have pursued the rugby passion with me. Mm, that's awesome. So do you think playing those other sports such as netball, tennis and everything else that you did allowed you to become a better rugby athlete? Um, good question. I don't know if, it, uh, like, you know, if I'd grown up playing rugby, I think I'd actually be a more skillful rugby player than I am right now. Like, you think I'm, I've just turned, well, I haven't just turned 30, I'm 30, <laughs> and I've been playing rugby for 10 years. I'm, you know, at the Waratahs at the moment, we have a couple of girls that are 16 that are turning up to training, and I think, if I started at 15, 16, God, I'd be good. <laughs> like mm. there's so much more opportunity to learn, to really understand the game. Um, but no, like I think like particularly swimming taught me the discipline of hard work. Um, you know, turning up to swimming training 11 times a week as a 15-year-old shows a lot of dedication and you, you realise how much one session missed changes your body and swimming is that kind of sport where obviously if you're you're not in the gym or you haven't swum for for three days you feel out of touch in the water so I think that really set an expectation to me and also the endorphins that you get from any sport I'm you know I'm a a sport addict in that in that sense and you never regret a training session so to me sport has been such a big part of growing up that I couldn't imagine 
not being involved in some kind of sport. Um, and again, to the to being on scholarship at Sydney Uni, I was thrown into this gym environment where we were expected to lift twice a week. And as you know, I suppose that would have been eight years ago, even longer, um, much longer ago, actually, if I've been playing that rugby for 10 years, it must have been when I was, I started playing Sydney Uni when I was like 16 or 17. And that that was an expectation was that you you were in the gym. And at that stage, I think for netball, you know, the perception of a, of a netballer is, is that you don't, you're not big and strong. You don't want the muscles. But when we were in that environment, we're training with all these other sports that are using the same SNC coaches. So we were really thrown into that environment as a place that was where you wanted to be and where we at Sydney Uni, that became our competitive advantage was that we were the fitter team. Like we may not have been the best netball team, but we knew that if we were in the fight in the last, in the third quarter, that we'd probably be able to bring it home just because we were fit. So from that that sort of overall team perspective, I really think that that SNC side has set me up to, I guess, love my body and love that I can be strong and I'm okay with that, but also has sort of set that tone into, into rugby and, and the hard work that you need to put in off the field to love the work that you do on the field. Mm, I like that. I like, I think it's really cool that netball and Sydney uni and, and swimming allowed you to experience that gym environment. And then when you were transitioning over to rugby, you were already on the front foot. You've already had that experience yeah. in the gym to, to know what hard work is and know how to lift and all the basics. And then you can just start learning the sport. You don't have to learn yeah. lifting as well. So that's, yeah. that's really cool that Sydney uni did that initiative and allowed you and gave you the, the opportunity to do that. Yeah, it was pretty cool. So how has strength conditioning helped you over your career and how has it sort of changed as well over the, let's say, 10 years that you've been playing rugby for? Um, so how has it how has it changed the way I train? Is that yeah, changed the way changed the way you train, but how has it complemented your game on the field? Well, when I started playing rugby, I obviously came from netball and I was 63 kilos and I was, you know, I thought I was quite a solid girl in netball, 170 centimeters. So I wasn't, you know, it's it's a pretty standard weight for a female at at that age. And I remember training, I when I started doing the sevens, I was offered an opportunity to train alongside the Aussie Sevens girls um, when they first centralized their program to Narrabeen. And like they couldn't believe that I was 63 kilos because, <laughs> you know, like rugby girls are bigger. Like you, you have to be stronger. You have to be more resilient. Your body needs to be more robust because of the contact. Um, and I was lucky that I was really fit back then because I genuinely like I had nothing on me in terms of like genuine size. I always enjoyed going to the gym and, and lifting, but like I look back at my records of like, my PBs for squats and deadlifts and um, bench press and bench pull because they were sort of the four the four key lifts I suppose, um, and it didn't change through my whole netball career. Like I, it was like a contentness to be at a certain. I am I'm lifting one of the stronger that'll do, um, and then you get into the rugby environment where gym becomes even more consistent, and we had a really good competitive environment at Sydney Uni where it wasn't so much competitive I suppose, but it was an encouraging 
see where you can get yourself to. And suddenly the, the numbers started ticking up and that like, I mean, I, along with the success of the improvement of the lift becomes the, you can see your body changing. Like I look at a, a picture of me starting rugby and I'm this little girl and now I'm like, I'm not, I don't think I'm a big girl now, but I, I can see that I've got, a, I've got the structure to deal with contact mm. and, you know, compete with a front rower who might still have, I don't know, an hour away 74-ish, 75 on a, let's, let's say 75 because that's where <laughs> I want to be. But I like, I'm not someone that can put on weight easily. So the last 10 years I've put on 10 kilos almost and it's been a real grind, but it hasn't been just fat. It's been from weights. So I think that's, that's a pretty cool evolution of the body from the gym it's, all, um, it's also important to like for our listeners out there not just like are you coming to play rugby i need to put on size it's not just instant it's no, it's, it's, no. It, it's a challenge like you said and it should be a gradual challenge mm. over time because you don't want to impact your, your speed and agility that you've probably take, yeah. taken from netball over to rugby you don't want yeah. to lose that so yeah, it's definitely yeah. a slow journey but it's yeah you'll you'll definitely get there yeah, I actually had a really interesting conversation with our Wallaroos SNCs probably two, three years ago and the coaches and they just said, you, you're just too small. And I was like, well, what do you want me to do? Like mm. I, I play number seven, like my position isn't necessarily the biggest on the field. I My competitive advantage is that I move around the park well. Like I do a lot of work. You want me to potentially put on weight and lose my competitive advantage to then not be as strong or as powerful as someone that naturally has that size on them. Mm. Like I'm not going to compete in that game. Um, and I went away and I tried really hard to put on weight and I genuinely like, I said, okay, you, you want me at 75, I'll get there. I was sitting at about 71 and I was miserable. Like I was eating so much. I was trying to lift so much weight. I could feel it when I was running, getting not you being not useful. Um, and I ended up having a conversation with them and I was like, look, I, as soon as I stop overeating to try and put on the, you know, carry the extra protein and the extra carb to be able to train and hold it, it disappears again. Um, so it's, it has been a really slow build over the last two, three years to actually sit now at probably 73, not 75, but, you know, to claim 75 is still, it's still a goal, but mm. I think it's going to have to come from more time in the gym. Mm. I think coaches have to be really careful of the words that they do use, like just saying you're too small or the opposite, you're too big. Well, mm. that, that's open to interpretation. Like look at what that player is doing on the field and see where they excel in their performance and say to them, awesome, you're really good at all these areas. If we can slowly put on a little bit of size mm. that can complement your game, not just say, go out there, put five kilos on. Because that, that doesn't really mean yeah. anything. And that five kilos can come from anything. And the ways that some athletes get to that weight or cut that weight is, is just not good and it's not sustainable. Yeah. So yeah. for all our coaches out there, you really got to be careful of what you're saying to the athlete. And, and if you're wanting them to improve their performance, be really specific, but also see what they're really doing well out in the field. Because if you pride yourself on your speed, putting 10 kilos on isn't going to do anything for your speed. It's actually going no. to decrease it. So yeah, this, yeah. It's, it's really cool that you shared your experience with that. And we, yeah, I'm thankful for that. No worries. So over your rugby career, how has your preparation changed over the week for game day? 
And is your prep different between, say, a Super Rugby game compared to an international game? What 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 is that experience like? Can can you tell us your preparation? Um, in terms of like a week in preparation, or like yeah, let's just say in, day, in, in in season week, your preparation yeah. to get to game day. I'm a girl of routine. I like to have my you know like I've, I have a weekly planner. I have a diary. I use it all. Um, I have a rugby journal. Um, and I, I like to know come Sunday night what my training week looks like. So if we have a game on Friday, do I have to shift my gyms from being Tuesday, Thursday to maybe being Monday, Wednesday so that I'm feeling good for Friday? Like I just, whatever it is, I just want to know that it's written down. And if I know that the expectation for that team that I'm in is two sessions a week in the gym, three fields plus a conditioning I just need to know what the expectation is so that I can fit it in because the reality is for, for me in Super W or for everyone in Super W is we all work or we all study. So I'm trying to balance working a full-time job, getting to training, leaving work early to get to training, to be there to potentially try and lift straight before we get on field and do a heavy session on legs. And like, that doesn't work for me. Like I know my body doesn't respond as well to that. I've worked all day. Now I'm going to have to try and lift heavy and then I'm going to get on field and do what I need to do in terms of running and contact. So for me, I know I have to get my gym in in a morning and I prefer not to get it in on the morning that I'm training at night. If I can manage that, that's the way I'd do it is go, you know, like, gym session so field session monday night gym tuesday morning field session wednesday night gym thursday morning field session friday night game day saturday like that's that's kind of my my angle um when you move into like and that's sort of the way i would manage it on a club level too if i was just playing for club i'd i'd just be doing what they expect me to do plus some running um and then when you move into wallaroos it's slightly different because no, we're not professional and no, we're not full time. But whenever we play test matches for Australia, it's you're in camp for two weeks before, like the two weeks around the, the, the games. So you kind of have that game day prep and that lead in prep that is professional because you're all living away from home. You're all living in a hotel. You're all doing your gym sessions together. It's a lot more prescribed and a lot less like, oh, I feel like going for a run. They'd be like, you can't go for a run we've loaded you we've used the gps data we know what you you know where you should be and you're where you should be rest mm. um so it, i guess you know it's not something that you can really take back home and then monitor yourself because you know i don't have a gps that i wear every day and i don't have like we do it the waratahs but that data isn't shared the same way and to be honest the load probably isn't as high because we're not preparing for test matches, we're preparing for super rugby. So I suppose that's, yeah, for me as a general statement, my prep is planned <laughs> from the Sunday to, to game day, um, including recovery. Um, you know, I like to occasionally get a massage in the week, you know, like tonight after this, I'm probably going to go and get a massage just to feel, feel good and, and switch off before going to Melbourne tomorrow. But, you know, I, I think the older I've got, the more I've had to manage my load because I'm a person that naturally wants to do more. Um, 
I have like a, you know, a bit of an out workout learn attitude in terms of I'm like if I can run more than someone else and know that if I'm running and I'm, I'm beating someone else because I'm doing work when they're not doing it and the older I've got I've had to go hang on make sure on that Wednesday night session you've given everything that you need to because you know tomorrow your body isn't going to want to run um, particularly on your own so I guess it's just a different attitude towards the sessions and making sure that I'm getting what I need to out of the organized training instead of trying to throw in, you know, six extra conditioning or gym or skill sessions. Like at the moment, I'm like, train smarter, not harder. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's my philosophy at the moment. Um, like, you know, whether it be that I'm tacking on an extra uh, gym session or a session with a physio to do some exercise physiology sort of specific things that might help me overall or doing a wrestling and grappling session to see if I can get some technique with low strain more technique focused like that's kind of where I'm going but in terms of game day prep yeah I'm a, I try and be as chilled as possible because I don't want to have any kind of superstition that if it goes wrong I then get stressed or give myself an excuse to sort of spiral out of being focused mm. so to me it's you know I'm more than happy to chill on the couch go out to dinner have whatever I feel like for dinner the night before because it's not you know to me if I haven't eaten right all week like that's the problem it's not the night before mm. um I'm obviously not going to go out and, and booze before I play a big important game. But, you know, if, if it's a glass of wine that I really feel like on the Friday night before I play, that's I'll have a, a glass of wine. But in terms of prep, no superstitions. Just okay. just, just do it. I'm there's no, there's no certain playlist that you like oh. to listen to? <laughs> um, I... I'm pretty happy to just get around the energy of the group. We usually have a speaker playing. Um, I'm like a person that vibes off the energy in a room at, or like bounces off the walls by myself. And it's never good to bounce off the walls by yourself because you just take all of your own energy. Um, but I do love The Greatest Showman as a playlist. Um, okay. I'm not a big like angry song person. I'm like a get inside yourself, you know, feel good mm -hmm. music. So um, The Greatest Showman is, is usually somewhere in my playlist. If I had to pick, yeah, songs to listen to by myself, I wouldn't be playing it on the team bus. I understand mm. it's not everyone's jam. <laughs> but if I was just, yeah, headphones in on the bus, that would be probably where I'm at. Okay. I always like to listen to like a, a good pump up, say, hip-hop rap song but then i'd also like to listen to something like pop so like a bit of tea, yeah. tea swizzle in there as yeah. well to like yeah. make me focus but then relax yeah. focus then yeah. relax you know yeah, yeah. that was yeah. my little tip I'm, that i'm playing i'm all about the feel-good music like i yeah. could probably happily listen to taylor swift and and get out in the field i think for me my personality isn't isn't an angry aggressive like i don't i'm not going out with the mentality in rugby of trying to hurt someone or like that's like a lot of people have that innate mm. ability to just be like, I'm ready to hurt, like hit someone and I want to hit them hard. I kind of have the, I don't know, my personality just isn't like that. If I run onto the field with a big smile on my face, ready to work harder than everyone else and to play better than everyone else, 
I go out and do my job rather than trying to like out muscle or smash someone or hurt someone like that. Just the anger, trying to be an asshole on the field as a seven, it doesn't work for me. I'm, mm. I'm the haha, I'm running away from you and you can't keep up with me kind of girl not I think, the angry yeah, so I, I think that's a good tactic because if you came out smiling at me i'd be like whoa like i think this yeah. one's gonna get me like i, I would think the yeah. opposite i like she's smiling at me like whoa she's yeah. she's, she's in for yeah. yeah she's coming for you like yeah. whereas the yeah. angry ones i'm used to i'm like yeah okay yeah, yeah see yeah. you like smiling at me like yeah. whoa <laughs> yeah and it keeps my energy up and like i don't want to get down and angry and heavy and nah i'm that's not my men, men, my my headspace so yeah. yeah that's awesome so what has been your favorite stadium to play at and why mm, I suppose my favorite stadium to play at I've got mm, I don't know if I've got two or three but Eden Park is obviously like the home of rugby in terms of a a, a fearful stadium with like an epic atmosphere like you, it's pretty hard to go past. Although it'd be nice to win there, um, yet to <laughs> just, be done. Just for just we'll for one of the it. Australian teams to win. Oh, yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it'll be so good. Um, but that's a pretty cool place to play at. Like we've been in two different change rooms there when I've played the two games and really seen the different sort of environment and culture. And it just always is an exciting place to be. Um, and then my other favorite is probably, I think it's Optus Stadium in Perth. Uh, we played a test match there against the Black Ferns uh, in a doubleheader with the Wallabies versus the All Blacks for Bledisloe in 2019. And it is just such a big stadium. And I have don't think I've played in front of that many people. Like it was just full and noisy and yeah exciting it just felt like a really good place to play rugby even though it's you know like it wasn't as close to my family and my people um yeah and then I guess if I could give a third place it's um the birthplace of rugby uh at Sydney Uni okay. I love playing at um <laughs> SUFG at home club rugby like you know it's just where you're not mm. safe but you love it because all your people are there your club's loud and supportive. It's a great grandstand. It's where I work. Like it's just, it just feels like I'm at home. Um, mm. So I, I love playing club rugby at Sydney Uni. Awesome. That's 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 really cool. A great insight to some of the best international stadiums. But then also referring back to your home, your home ground is yeah. But you can't you can't yeah. beat your home ground. Nah. I, I hope that I'm going to be able to say, you know, the SFS slash Allianz Stadium when it's built at the yep. end of this year in Sydney like that. I feel like I want that to be my home, but I haven't played enough there to be able to say it is. <laughs> so switching shoes, how is it like mm. being a presenter on Stan Sport the other week? Uh, it was really fun. Um, it's obviously a great opportunity to sort of challenge myself in terms of like, I love rugby and I love watching rugby and I love talking rugby and it is something I'm super passionate about, but to be in that position where suddenly like you've got your hair and makeup done, you're on screen, you've got someone talking in your ear, telling you to wrap up your sentence. You've got a producer over behind the cameras, waving at the screen you're supposed to be looking at. And then you're like, there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes to make it a lot less glamorous than it looks mm. like on TV. Um, but it's really cool. I think like 
I mean, I work at Sydney Uni and we talk a lot to our, our scholarship athletes about future proofing and, and making sure that you're, you know, you're not just focused on the sport that you're doing right this second because you have to have something that you fall back on or a life after rugby or life after sport. And to me, I want to stay in rugby in some way and I don't want to just finish playing. And I'm not saying that I'm finishing playing anytime soon, <laughs> but um, you don't want to get to the end and be like, oh, what am I going to do? I want to stay in this game, but how do I need to do a coaching course do I need to do a refereeing course do I need to do media do I want to commentate like what how am I staying in the game and to me um I I love talking rugby I love I love the idea of what what the potential of someone that's either on the couch or commentating um how they can influence a game and mm. I would love to down the track end up doing commentary more so than the the panel stuff on Stan um but any opportunity you get to put yourself out of your comfort zone to try and represent and be, for me, being a female in, in rugby union in a game that's been very male dominated and is very male dominated. I think being a young girl that, that watched the game and didn't realize that girls can play it, like you can't be what you can't see. So if I can do my best bit in the game to play, that's one job, but it's also then being a voice that is, you know, representing the women playing rugby, hopefully highlighting, you know, I have a brain up in my head as much as, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm able to speak, I'm articulate, I can do all of this stuff and, and why not take an opportunity in an industry that doesn't really have a huge number of females doing those things. Obviously, Sarah Nagama is doing an epic job in that space at the moment, but we need more of us. And mm. to be honest, it needs to be more of us doing it when we're finished so it's really great that we're getting these opportunities right now, but it should be, there should be full-time females mm. that have played the game in those roles, just like they're full-time men. Yeah. But, you know, if I can help pave that way or be part of that opportunity for a future, that's, that's epic. Like, mm. So it was a really cool opportunity to be on the couch and I hope I get another one. Um, but yeah, it wasn't as glamorous as it looks on TV. That's for sure. Mm. I think the cool part of, with stands for they're getting people who have played the game and i think it's, it's really important for me is that they're getting presenters and commentators that actually know the game of rugby mm. and especially know the, the current game of rugby yeah i don't like it when i'm watching just just whatever sport and it's a commentator or presenter and they have no idea what's really going yeah. on they're literally just reading the piece of paper and yeah. don't actually know the game and structure and all yeah. that so it's, it's really cool when yeah. For, for Stan Sport to show that initiative and get players, former players out there mm. and, and presenting on a game that they love. And yeah, it's, it's going to be really exciting times when they get more female presenters on there mm. to commentate the female yeah. game as yeah. well and, and just, just open up a career path as well. So yeah, it's, it's really exciting times. Yeah, yeah, it is. And Stan is doing a really good job, I think, of showcasing not just the top level rugby or the met just the men's rugby, but doing the women as well. And then also mm. going down into like club rugby land, mm. which is great. Like it's making the game way more accessible and yeah. So you know, so much easier. Everything's on stand. You just go yeah. there, bang, easy done. Yeah. Yeah. Just gotta get pubs to start having stand subscriptions so we can yes. watch more rugby. <laughs> <laughs> That's a future problem. Yeah, yeah. So how do you deal with the pressure to perform at the elite level? So Obviously, state, domestic, and international different 
a, a difference. So how do you deal with that extra pressure when you are going from Super W to Wallaroos? Mm. Well, I mean, we haven't done it since 2019, so it's hard to remember what yeah. it was like. <laughs> um, I guess you put on as much pressure on yourself as you as you need to. To be honest, in the women's game at the moment, there isn't that much media coverage or there hasn't been that much media coverage for you to really feel like the game is much different to playing for your state other than the coat of arms that you're wearing on your chest and the, you know, the expectation that you put on yourself because you're wearing an Australian jersey. Um, obviously, it is a step up. There's no question about that. And you do like you just don't want to let people down that my first game that I played for Australia my emotional roller coaster I went on in the 24 hours in the lead up to the game of believing that I was going to be amazing you know having dreams that I was going to you know score intercept tries to oh my god I'm going to get kicked the first ball I'm going to drop it the Kiwis are going to walk over me like they're going to be so much bigger and so much harder than any other rugby player I've ever played against before and then when you play, you realise, hey, it is another female, another great female athlete on the other side, but they're not bigger, better, faster, stronger, really. Like you are what you do. And if you know you've done the work, your opposition shouldn't be any scarier than any opposition you play. It's just that all of them are better, like just that little bit better because, you know, you play a state game and there's a, there's a range the range is then the top group from that playing. So, you know, I guess I, someone said recently, it's the difference between like a, the state to international in men. And I think it's the same in women. It's time with ball in hand. Like it's the, the time you have to make a decision, whether it be to make a tackle or be to carry the ball. But that's, that's just being comfortable in knowing that you know your role. Um, you know, ask me this question in three weeks time if I'm playing for Australia against Japan or Fiji in the test matches we've got coming up, um, I might be in a totally different position because I am feeling, I'd be feeling the pressure. But right now, I guess my head's so focused on, on Super W that I can't imagine that anything could be more important than this game that we've got <laughs> coming up this weekend. Um, so, yes, there's pressure. And how do I deal with it? Like, you've got, you've got to just, like, break it all down like if you think about big big problems like playing a game or you get overwhelmed by the emotion of of the big picture I think if like I'm a I'm a write things down kind of gal I give myself three things that I know I'm good at or three things that I want to work on or whatever it might be just you can just like segment it into really basic sections and to me it's I always want to have three or four things that I know I'm working on in the game or I'm focusing on and like trying not to be like get 10 jackals because it's not realistic because you don't know what the game situation is going to present itself at. It might be, you know, I want good line speed. I want to stay connected and I want to work harder than my opposite seven. And those are things that at least when I watch the game back, I know I'm doing or not doing well. And I give myself a little grade after a game and I'm like, okay, well, I ticked those and I didn't tick that. That's one I still want to work on. And then I take that to the next game. So I think, yeah, breaking down the the big picture eliminates a lot of the pressure that you put yourself under because ultimately, whether it be media or family and friends or your own pressure, 
like you can break it down and you just got to block out the noise that's unnecessary. And that's usually media and friends. <laughs> mm. Awesome. So that does lead quite nicely to our fan question. So I reached out to um, Danielle uh, Buick here in Canberra, plays for the West Lionesses. And she asks, yeah. how important is to build up both physical and mental strength as an athlete? And I think you've answered it well, but is there anything else you want to touch upon? Mm. How important is both mental and physical? Look, I think, yeah, I think ultimately you can be as physically strong as you like, but if you're either afraid of something or you're not mentally ready for it, it doesn't matter. You're not going to be good enough. So if you don't believe you're going to be good enough, you're probably not. Um, and I guess you've got to get that side on board. I don't spend a huge amount of time like visualizing a game per se. Um, it doesn't necessarily do what I need to, it to do. I already am an overthinker personally. So I already know that I need to actually just let my mind go come game day. Um, and I need to know that like, I know what works for me. And I guess that's, that's something that, you know, over time you'll develop yourself is what your, what your body needs or what your mind needs to be able to perform. Like I know if I turn up too excited to a game, which I can't because I freaking love game day. Like if I turn up too excited, as much as I might get my team excited and get them their energy levels up, I, like I did it against the Western Force. I turned up, I was so excited. I was buzzing before the game got to the warm-up and I was like, oh my God, I think I've just played the game. Um, and I had to pull myself back and be like, hey, what did I do wrong like after the game in my reflection? And I do do a lot of reflecting on games, but I, it's a, how do I make that better? Like I was exhausted before the game started. I need to learn when I bring my energy. Like when do I let that bottle over and how, how do I not think about the game? on the bus on the way there or when I'm driving there, I just want to feel good. I don't need to be thinking about the game. I've always got energy. So it's those sort of things. And then, you know, I'm the first one to be like, oh, I played the worst game in the world. That's so bad. And then when I watch it back, I'm like, oh, those big moments in my mind are not big moments on the field. Mm. Um, so being able to sort of, and then I guess emotionally move on past that so you can enjoy your weekend. Mm. But back to the question, I think, um, I think the mind, the mind has a huge power, but obviously if you're not physically prepared, the chance of injury is so much higher as well. So it's a little bit of both, but if you don't have your mindset correct, it doesn't really matter what you've done physically. Hmm. That's awesome. Hopefully um, you've got the answer that you want there, Danny. And yeah, it was, it was a great answer and a lot of good um, takeaway points from that. So I do have to ask, you have a few different nicknames. So you got Chance, M, and Margie. Where does the nickname Choo Choo originate from? <laughs> Where did you find that? I did find that on the Sydney Uni uh, website. I did do my research and it did say Choo Choo as a nickname. Um, Sarah Nagama calls me Choo Choo. Um, I think, I don't know where it came from. I, we, so we've spent a lot of time together. We used to both work at Sydney. She's just left us at uni. We play together. We play for New South Wales together. We're in the Wallaroo squad together. Mm. We do a lot of our gym and our away from organised team trainings together. So I don't know, just a, a pet name, you could say. 
I thought, I thought you were going to say bomber because bomber is one of the nicknames that floats okay. around that I don't bomber. I don't use. Um, but I used to get called it by a couple of the Wallaroos coaches that have now um, moved on from the program. But they call me bomber because they say that when I run around with the ball in hand, I always run with the ball in two hands. I don't keep it here. It's like out in front, and they like it looks like you're running around with a bomb and you don't know what to do with it. So <laughs> I, like, I like that. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, but chance is the normal nickname. There chance. more chance. All right. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> we can get rid of this choo choo business. <laughs> that's cool. So, how important is a well-developed strength conditioning program for up-and-coming rugby athletes? If you can sum that up into a short little little sentence, there. I think I kind of touched on that just before. Like, if you don't have that base of strength and con- and and conditioning, I think. you're so much higher chance of risk of injury, right? Like the SNC side of it is it's, it's bulletproofing your body. Um, That's how I see it anyway. Um, And please tell me if I'm wrong. Um, No, no, you're good. You're good. Yeah. But basically to me, it's like, particularly as a forward, I see it as an opportunity to get stronger, get more powerful, which is going to make me, better around the park but then it's also the focus on knowing that if you're if you're building up strength you're building up ligaments and tendons which is making you more robust and less likely to get hurt and that doesn't mean that you're not going to get hurt because obviously full contact games there's so many risks and you're putting your body in some interesting positions that you know nothing can prepare you for but the more you do it the better your body like becomes sort of intact and and knows how to deal with contact Mm, or running (laughs) or playing 80 minutes or any of those things or just live longer Mm, that was a great answer so my final question is what advice do you have for current and future rugby athletes trying to pursue the next level in their careers um i always find this a hard one because there's so many generic things that you could say um but one of my main sort of attitudes that I try and bring into teams that I'm playing in is trying is cool and it sounds really lame but there is nothing worse than being in an environment that says if you try and put yourself out there and you want to achieve a goal and you're doing what it what you think it takes to get there and someone's like why are you running before training or why are you doing contact before training or why are you talking to the coach after training? Do you think that you need to do extra work or something like that shit annoys me so much? Mm. Like if you have a friend or a teammate that goes, Hey, I want to go and play for my state from a club team, or if they're in your state team and they're like, I really want to put my hand up and show the Wallaroos that I want to be there or, you know, your Australian coach or whatever the national program might be. If you can't support that person, you must be fearful that they're going to be better than you. Mm. And I hate that sort of tall poppy syndrome. So to me, if you have a friend that says, I want to go do something, or you're bold enough to say, hey, I really want to get there, ask for help because there are plenty of people around you that will want to help you. Realise the ones that don't and don't bother you know, investing your time or being deterred because they're the ones that are scared or cynical about what you're trying to do because maybe they're afraid that they can't do it too and find a buddy that's going to take you on that journey with you or challenge you to get there and, and make them do it with you. you know, like I know that there are 
three or four girls that I could message almost any day and be like, hey, I really want to sweat today. I really want to do a run session. Come with me and they'll do it. And it means that I'm accountable to doing it. You know, if I turned around to them and said, I want to learn how to, you know, I need to do more jackaling. Who do I talk to? I know that I've got a few people in my corner that I could turn to and go, hey, help me. What drills can I do? How do I get there? And don't be afraid of showing people that you're trying because mm. if you don't try, you won't succeed. <laughs> it's as simple as that. And I think to be courageous enough to say I have a dream or I have a goal of doing something, I mean, at least other people can hold you accountable to it or help you get there. If you don't tell people and you don't try, it's probably not going to happen. Mm. Ah, you've you've nailed it on the head there and some some great advice and this whole conversation has been really cool and i we, we really appreciate you taking the time out to to speak with us and i know our listeners um and future listeners are, are going to get a lot out of this episode so thanks for tuning into another episode of elite rugby snc this episode has been awesome and we thank emily chancellor for taking time out of her day to speak with us today and provide you with such amazing insight into rugby and some great takeaway points so remember to like, subscribe, and rate Elite Rugby SNC on Spotify, YouTube, and Instagram. Sign up to become a beast today via the link in the description or via Instagram page. Also, remember to sign up to our newsletter and receive free bonus content each and every single week. So don't wait, make that good decision, and join Elite Rugby SNC today and take your game to the next level. So thank you everyone for listening, and thank you very much, Emily, again.